What keeps a song interesting? A lot of pop songs like to repeat their melodies once or twice within a single verse, and then play that whole verse again exactly the same way before the song is over. So how do these songs recycle their musical ideas in a way that keeps their tunes fresh and engaging? Maybe you've never noticed how simple, repetitive, or well-worn the tune you were listening to was, but somehow, you never got bored of it. In fact, you loved it. Welcome to Song Appeal, where we dive into your favorite songs to answer the question, why do we like the music we like? I'm your host, Hunter Ferris, and on today's episode, let's take a look at one reason why we like Mr. Brightside by The Killers. You can find this episode's transcript, its references, and a link to hear the song at songappealofficial.com. Thanks so much to my patrons for making this show possible. If you want to support the show, check out patreon.com slash songappeal. If you like Song Appeal, check out The Local Glow, an independent podcast based out of Chicago, Illinois. Through their featured interviews, live performances, and storytelling, they dig into the heart of local music and arts throughout the Midwest and beyond, uncovering what makes every unique community glow. The podcast is a celebration of art and the unique relationships that it fosters as it draws individuals from different worlds into a space where we all come to life. The Local Globe recently launched season two, with new and exciting episodes coming out the second Monday of each month. This season will feature an exceptional lineup of narrative explorations of community experiences, passionate showcase performances by musicians and poets from around the country, and in-depth looks at the creative world around us. Subscribe now to get all new episodes pumped straight to your feed on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, just about anywhere. And visit thelocalglow.com to learn more. A few months ago, I walked into a piano lesson to find that not only did my student practice, but she decided to start up a new song in between lessons. As a piano teacher, I was ecstatic. She was enjoying piano enough and was motivated enough to go off on her own and do more without being told to. The good news was, she picked one of her favorite songs, Mr. Brightside by The Killers, a song that was definitely easy enough for her to learn on her own. The bad news was, she picked Mr. Brightside by The Killers, and she started with the melody. And she realized that the melody is kind of monotone. Actually, it's literally monotone. It's just one note over and over and over again. And she said that the melody was so boring that she didn't want to learn the rest of the song. Now, something about that whole situation just didn't add up for me. Why would someone hate learning the song's melody, but love this song as a whole? So I interviewed a music theorist about this song. My name is Jeremiah Tab, and I study music composition and also run a music theory podcast known as Hype Harmony. He told me that for composers and songwriters, it can be scary to just sit on one note because if you've ever heard someone just play one note over and over again with no context, it gets really boring, really tedious, really quickly. When you hear Kelly Clarkson sing the same note 20 times in a row in Love So Soft, you get a sense of what Jeremiah Tab was talking about. Love so soft, you ain't had nothing softer. Break it, then you buy it and it's one Week by Bare Naked Ladies also gives us one note over and over again, 25 times in a row. And if you take away the context, it gets really boring 
really tedious really quickly. But Mr. Brightside takes this idea up to 11 by playing the same note 103 times in a row. Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. Gotta, gotta be down because I want it all. It started out with a kiss, added it in a black dance. It was only a kiss, it was only a kiss. Now I'm falling asleep and she's calling a cab while he's having a smoke and she's taking a drag. Now they're going to bed and my stomach is sick and it's all in my head, but she's touching. There might be some fluctuations every once in a while, but they're so small that different pieces of sheet music disagree on whether there are any changes at all. The melody seems obsessed with this one note. Now, music theorists have a few different names for this note. The first note of a scale, the tonic note, do, or note one. When the melody uses that tonic note, that note one, a hundred and three times in a row, why don't people just get bored? Think about it. This was a top ten hit. There are still memes about this song. Even Brandon Flowers, the singer and songwriter behind Mr. Brightside, remarked that it just keeps snowballing and getting bigger. It's been featured on the UK Top 100 for over 200 weeks. More than any other song ever. People have loved this song for years without even noticing its repetitive melody. So if the melody is so boring by itself, why do we like this song as a whole? The repeated note sounds good because it fits seamlessly over any chord. And once new chords come under it, it starts doing the jobs of other notes. On top of that, the entire character of this note changes. One chord makes it Jekyll, another chord makes it Hyde. In short, the chords don't just make the melody interesting. The chords make the melody. Before we see how the chords affect the melody, let's answer an important question. Why does the melody note sound good over so many different chords? First, because every chord in this song includes the melody note. Now, remember this note. It's gonna happen a lot. During the line, we hear a one chord. And yes, the guitarist does put a twist on the one chord, but he makes sure to keep note one, like this. Brandon Flowers is singing note one, and the guitar is playing a chord with note one in it, so it feels like a perfect match. When it moves on to... The guitar part changes ever so slightly, like this, but still includes the same note Brandon Flowers is singing. So in a way, it still feels like a perfect match. And when we hear... The song moves on to a four chord, which also has note one in it. And while the guitarist puts a twist on this chord as well, like this, he still keeps note one in the mix. And Brandon Flowers is still singing note one, so again, this feels like a perfect match. That way, the chord changes don't feel weird or jarring because all of the chords that are actually used in the verse include the melody note. We feel like the instrumental section is welcoming the melody with open arms. But surprisingly enough, this would sound good over any chord, not just the chords that are actually played in the song. Why? Mr. Brightside borrows an idea from classical music called a pedal tone and updates it for modern music, as Brain Hughes described. 
My name is Bryn Hughes, and I am an assistant professor of music at the University of Lethbridge. I did a PhD in music theory at Florida State University. A lot of the research Dr. Hughes does compares how different music theory principles apply to classical music versus pop music. So if we want to learn how Mr. Brightside modernizes the pedal tone, he's the perfect person to explain it. A pedal tone is basically a, a bass note that is consistently played over and over and over again while a whole bunch of other stuff changes above it. Kind of like in Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. I know that's not classical music, but it's a great example of using the same note through the entire song, no matter what chords are playing around it. brute force repetition of that note makes it work with all the other stuff going on above it. We hear this note so often that we just accept it. Our brains become conditioned to treat this note like it's normal. Mr. Brightside is sort of similar. I mean, we have a melody instead of a bass note that is essentially a constant presence. And more than anything, perhaps the simplest answer for why this works is just that constant repetition allows us to accept almost anything. We feel like this melody from Mr. Brightside fits over the chords perfectly, whether the chord includes the melody note or not. Now, if the melody note sounds good over any chord, do the chords still matter? Oddly enough, the chords matter more than the melody note because they change how the melody note acts. You see, each note on the scale has a different job to do, and we'll be talking a lot about that in the next few weeks, but for today, let's talk about how that job can change depending on what's going on around it. Or as Brent Hughes put it, A note can change its context by changing the chord underneath it. Jeremiah Tapp, the host of the Hype Harmony podcast, illustrated that idea when he said, If you have a note, that is sitting somewhere in the harmony, and then you move to a different chord, it's almost like painting the same image, but then shading it differently, or painting it from a different perspective. So it totally changes the look and the impression that this note has on the listener, but it's still the same object in the painting. Almost like how a tree changes how it looks and acts depending on what weather is around it. In Mr. Brightside, that one note is reflected upon in different ways by the harmony. So how does this note actually act in the song? It starts out over a one chord. And Jeremiah Tab told me that a one note in a one chord is almost as steady rock bottom as you can be. So the one note in that one chord is just reinforcing what key you're in and it feels completely resolute. It doesn't want to go anywhere at all. You can hear the melody note acting like that during the first line of the song. Bryn Hughes said, The tonic is always the tonic. It's always going to be a stable pitch in our minds. In other words, note one always acts like note one. But when the song reaches a four chord, this note becomes a lot more interesting. Like Bryn Hughes said, it's still acting like note one, but as Jeremiah Tab told me, Once you move to the four chord, that tonic note is the fifth of the chord. It's acting like a completely different note. You can hear that during the line, During that line, the chord isn't based on the melody note anymore, so the melody note doesn't act like the foundation of the chord. It's almost like when the same actor is playing a new character. Note 1 is acting like note 5. Or in other words, your brain still feels like this is note 1, but you're also hearing this as note 5. In a word, it's multitasking. Now, we'll get to note 5's function in another episode, but for this episode, 
The point isn't what function the note is serving. The point is that the note's function completely changes, just because of the context. This is essential to enjoying Mr. Brightside. The same note we're hearing over a hundred times keeps reinventing itself when it gets a new context and a new perspective. And the chords don't just change the note's function, the chords change the note's character. Have you ever heard a song that made you think, those notes are way too close together? Like this. That's called dissonance. And when you hear that, you want the notes to resolve to something where the notes aren't as harsh. Like this. That effect is called consonance. And in Mr. Brightside, the chords alone change the melody note from something smooth and consonant to something harsh and dissonant. To help explain this idea, here's our last guest. I am Matthew Scott Phillips. I am a professor of music at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and at Birmingham Southern College. When he's not explaining music theory concepts at work, he's explaining music theory concepts on the podcast, Music Student 101. Music theory is kind of his life. He told me, When you're on the one chord and you're singing the one note, there's no dissonance there. But as you stay on that one and the other chords move, you create more dissonance you create more drama, you create more tension. In some ways, you can create more drama and tension by doing that than you would if you changed the one note. The fact that it's staying there creates gradually more tension, gradually more emotional material there. So how does this work in Mr. Brightside? After all, music theory is a whole lot more enjoyable when we can apply it to a song we like. Jeremiah Tapp, the host of the Hype Harmony podcast, perfectly describes how Mr. Brightside starts to switch between smooth consonants and rougher, harsher dissonance. So you feel the bass line or the lowest note of the chord walking down and it starts to crunch up against the melody and that adds a little bit more spice, a little bit more action because the bass line is a half step below the melody note. You're not at that resting place anymore. It's almost like the call to action in a hero's journey. Um, you know that that harmonic motion wants to go somewhere. And so the melody is functioning as part of that call to action because it's rubbing up against the bass line. The melody note is still in the instrumental part. So normally this would be consonant, just like we were talking about earlier. But the bass note and the melody note are so close together that they overpower the consonants, so the melody note turns dissonant. It still sounds good because of the pedal tone, but it's changed to become rougher and harsher. And when it reaches the next chord, it switches back to consonants because the chord includes the melody note. That way, the dissonance resolves, so we get a moment of consonance again. The chords do a great job at changing this note's character from consonant to dissonant and back to consonant. We get a cycle of tension and release without changing the melody note at all, because the melody note's character changes. Like this. chords completely change this note's character, which helps make the repetition in the melody a whole lot more interesting. We sometimes criticize pop music for being too repetitive, doing the same thing over and over, or mindlessly following trends. To me, Mr. Brightside feels like a musical response to that criticism. Its melody literally does the same thing over and over again, but it recycles that old musical idea in a new and refreshing way. It plays the same note in just the right way so that any chord would accept those notes. And those chords completely change the note's function. 
and as the chords change around it, the note cycles through different personalities, from stable and rock solid, to dissonant, to up in the air. And once the first verse, first pre-chorus, and first chorus are over, we get exactly the same words in the second verse, second pre-chorus, and second chorus. But again, this repeated section is presented differently, with a slightly different tune and a slightly different instrumental section. In that way, Mr. Brightside represents all of pop music in less than four minutes. The melody does the same old thing it's always done, but presents it in ways that are so different that we feel like we aren't even hearing the same note. In Mr. Brightside, the whole truly is greater than the sum of its parts. The melody's boring and the instrumentals are so-so, but when you put them together, they create something genuinely enjoyable. Now, was all of this intentional? Probably not. Brandon Flowers has said that he wanted a monotone melody, but in the same interview, he said that the guitarist had already written the instrumental track before they even met, so there's no way they intentionally wrote the instrumental track with an eye toward making the verse more interesting. But whether this effect is on purpose or not, the effect is still there. And the effect is still powerful. In our interview, Matthew Scott Phillips told me, People study this stuff their whole lives and try to analyze why certain songs make us feel the way we feel. It's a whole big wide world. And I don't know about you, but now that I see how this song works, I can respect and appreciate it so much more. And really, that's what Song Appeal tries to do. Every episode of this show focuses on why a song makes you feel the way you feel, what keeps a song interesting, and what gives a song its appeal. Bye, Mr. Brightside. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, check out songappealofficial.com for more episodes. Thanks so much to my patrons for making this show possible. If you want to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash songappeal. This episode talked a lot about dissonance and consonance, and if you want to learn more about that, check out the course Music as Biology, What We Like to Hear and Why from Coursera. You'll learn what causes dissonance and consonance, why we use the scales we use, and how culture affects the way we think of music. Visit bit.ly slash music as biology to find the course. You can find more from Jeremiah Tab on the Hype Harmony podcast. You can find more from Matthew Scott Phillips on the podcast Music Student 101. You can find more from Bryn Hughes on Twitter at BrynMDHughes. Again, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk with you soon. In the meantime, have a great day and enjoy your music.